Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Nerdette is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island has been following their curiosity to innovate how and what they brew. More at gooseisland.com. We don't need to be the only beer you drink. We just want to be the best beer you drink. Nerdette is also supported by Basecamp. Introducing the new Basecamp 3. Basecamp's unique blend of tools is everything any team needs to stay on the same page about whatever they're working on. Now your first Basecamp is completely free forever. Sign up at Basecamp.com slash Nerdette. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita here with my co-host Greta Johnson. Hello. This week on Nerdette, people who make the best of messy situations. We talked to Jenny Lawson. She's the author of Furiously Happy, which you've probably seen in bookstores. It's that book with the terrifying glittering raccoon on the cover. You call it terrifying. I call it delightful. Jenny says it's a little of each. Half of him is like, happy birthday surprise. And the other half is like, I'm going to eat your face off. And like, you have no idea what's going on. We talk with Jenny about how she moves through the world despite her depression and anxiety, which is what Furiously Happy is all about. And we're going to learn something that I bet you end up talking about in your everyday life. Greta and I sure have. It's called spoon theory. And of course, we'll talk about the raccoon. I hate that raccoon. (laughs) Then we have some maybe life-changing homework from Jolie Kerr. She is the author of My Boyfriend Barfed in My Handbag. She also writes a column for Esquire called Ask a Clean Person. We'll talk to her later on Nerdette, the show where we talk to enthusiasts of all stripes because everyone's a little nerdy about something. I was excited to talk to Jenny Lawson because depression and anxiety are things that most of us deal with, either personally or with a family member or friend, and we don't talk about them enough. Yeah, and sometimes it can be really difficult to talk about these things. They're not necessarily fun subjects, but Furiously Happy is actually fun to read. You will laugh out loud at this book. It's full of ridiculous anecdotes about animals, both living and immortalized through taxidermy. And there are conversations with Victor, Jenny's infinitely patient husband, and a fantastic list of things she learned from her taxidermist father. It's less of a memoir and more of a collection of stories that will help remind you how to be happy when your brain chemistry is telling you you should be anything but. I had no emotions left to give except to be angry that life had thrown so much crap at me and that I had to deal with this. And so I decided that as soon as I was out of this depression, I would become furiously happy. Just out of pure spite, I would do everything that I could to be happy. And that meant doing ridiculous things and saying yes to things that I wouldn't normally do. Um, And it wasn't a cure for depression. And I want to make sure that people understand that because I think it's very easy to to listen to that and just be like, yeah, all you have to do is just say, like, I'm tired of being sad. I'm not oh, going to be sad it. anymore. Right. <laughs> and that's not it at all. I still had to go through the depression and take the medication and do the therapy. But once I was out of the depression, 
I was able to focus more on doing things to make me extremely happy and to laugh so that when I was dealing with depression again, I could take those memories and pull them back with me as tools to remind myself that depression lies and that, that I will be okay again. And that I have laughed in the past. So even though I can't imagine laughing again, it happened. And so it will happen again. I think that's such an interesting way of putting it, a tool for the the sort of next go around, because I think so often people mistakenly think that, like you said, it either is just a choice as a, you know, just don't be sad, just, <laughs> right. just change your attitude. But there is there is a power in saying that you're going to do things in spite of what your brain chemistry is trying to force you to do at that moment. And exactly. I really like that notion of being spiteful of your own emotions. Exactly. Um, and when, you know, when it comes to anxiety, particularly, there's a lot of times when I'm like, okay, I can't do this. I can't do that. And, and actually one of the wonderful things that I've done is given myself permission to, to not do things, um, which can be a, like a wonderful gift to give yourself. But I do also sometimes really push myself to do things that I would not normally do because I know if I don't, those are going to be moments that I never appreciate. But, you know, so, so often people are like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't, you know, you should jump out of an airplane. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like it would be fun in any way possible. <laughs> but, you know, what would be fun is like if I just watched a Doctor Who marathon, like yes. how many could I watch without <laughs> making myself sick? That would be something I could challenge myself with. I will do that. It's a lot. You can go pretty far. <laughs> it is you. amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know the answer. Yeah. The answer is 14 episodes. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, but it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than 14. Let me just say. <laughs> so, Jenny, I think that's really interesting, partly because I've got sort of anxious tendencies, too, and I often find it really difficult to figure out, especially if I'm not in the right mindset, what I should be saying yes to and what I should be saying no to. You know, like yes. how do you, how have you figured out where to draw that line personally in terms of like, OK, this is something that sounds terrifying in a really good, empowering way. And this is something that sounds terrifying and will probably incapacitate me before I yes. ever, am ever able to do it. So there are um, there are a couple of things that I do. One I got from my friend Brene Brown, who said, anytime somebody asks you for something, you should take the ring on your finger and you should turn it around three times. And in the time that you're turning it you can actually think about whether you want to say yes or no, because it's so much easier to say yes than it is to say no. But if you give yourself a pause, you can really think about it. So every single time I go one, two, three with my, and I don't wear a ring. So it's with my imaginary ring, which looks even <laughs> crazier. Um, and it's easier to say no. The other thing is I tend to ask other people because I have really great, wonderful opportunities that most people would love to do. And I know that some of them I may regret not doing. So I tend to ask, you know, other people, is this something that sounds like it would be awesome? Or is this something that just sounds like it would be exhausting? And most of the time, the people who know me the most can look at me and say, you're going to be sick after you do this. <laughs> so is is it really worth it? And they'll help me kind of pick and choose. One thing you have talked about that you talked about in Furiously Happy mm -hmm. is spoon theory, which I think is a really beautiful notion that 
everyone should know about, whether they have, you know, depression issues themselves or even just know friends who struggle with that stuff. For people who haven't read the book, can you sort of describe it for us? Sure. Spin theory is the idea that the average young, healthy person wakes up and they have a fairly unlimited amount of spoons. And you spend a spoon on... You get up and you wash your hair and you brush your teeth and then there's one for you eat breakfast. There's one for you have to go to the bank and you spend all of these spoons and you have plenty and then you go to sleep and then the next morning you wake up and they're replenished. But for a lot of people, particularly ones who deal with fibromyalgia or rheumatoid arthritis or depression, we have a very limited amount of spoons. So for me, I may wake up and say, I have four spoons, so I can take a shower and I can take my daughter to school and I could do some work. But if I use that fourth spoon to go out to see one of my friends, I'm not going to have another spoon to be able to get back home. So you, you really have to pick and choose the things that you can do. It's one of the only things that my husband has actually picked up and said, like, you look like you don't have very many spoons today. Why don't we not do this? Why don't, and I'm like, oh, my God, you finally get me. <laughs> um, so it's a really wonderful theory to help people understand what you're going through, especially if you're the kind of person like me where I may wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm totally okay. I feel completely like an almost normal person. And then I will have two weeks of, oh, I have no spoons. I cannot move from the couch. The only thing that I can do is be a mother to my daughter and, you know, try to make the house at least not burn down. There you go. I feel like that's a really solid baseline. (laughs) Right. That's I mean, that's it. That's all you have to do, really. Just don't let your house burn down and try the, the people who you love don't make them horrifically miserable. Like that's it. You and you win. Like if if those things happen and if they don't happen, you know, tomorrow you get to start again. I mean, not with, you know, a brand new house, obviously, but (laughs) you know, you get to start again in a hotel room or wherever it is. My friend has a postcard that I think you would especially love. And she got it framed. It says, let's make better mistakes tomorrow. Oh, I love that. Isn't that really nice? That's fantastic. Yeah, I like it on a couple different levels, I think partly because, you know, it's got that whole idea of tomorrow being another day, but also that mistakes can be a good thing, you know, and like you just get better at them. Yes, exactly. Uh, And it gives you it just gives you such great permission to be human. And really, I mean, nobody wants to see somebody super succeed at everything. Nobody wants to see like, (laughs) oh, this person, oh yeah, she was like an Olympic gymnastic and then she saves kittens at night and then she like, you just want to be like, no, like how you see a hero is noticing their flaw, you know, the flaw that they have to work against and everybody has flaws. And if you're really honest, like you're made of your flaws. And so accepting those and, and loving those is such a great thing. I think it's especially difficult for artists and writers to want to try to build tools into their lives that negate the effects of things like anxiety or depression or or even, you know, manic episodes, those kinds of things, because I think we have romanticized the notion that to be a writer 
is to be sort of hard drinking, self-medicating, a little bit off your rocker. And that if you solve for those things and are living, quote unquote, like other people, then maybe your art will go away. Right, right. Um, There are some times when I think if they ever come up with a drug that completely cures me of the mental illness that I have, I think, would I be the same person? And and I think I would, and I think I would probably write the same stuff, but there's still that little thing in the back of my head that just thinks, I don't know, maybe I'm supposed to be this way, but at the same time, do you have to suffer in order to create art? I don't think so, because I have a lot of friends who write amazing things, and they're completely happy, and like normal and sane and still want to hang out with me, which actually maybe they're not normal now that I think about it. Um, so, so I definitely think it's, it's possible. I've always gone back and sort of wondered, like, is it that if you're dealing with mental illness, you feel like you have to get it out of your head in some way. And so the easiest way is through art. And so that's the reason why it feels like there are so many more people who struggle, who are in art and music and writing, or, you know, is it the other way around? Is it that, you know, we spend so much time inside of our heads as writers and artists that it's hard to escape from the things that are in there? I don't know. But at the same time, if I had to choose between being me now or being a completely sane me, I think I would really be afraid of that. I think I would really be afraid of what completely sane me would be like. I think the Jenny Lawson we have that is a little sane and a little insane sometimes is the perfect amount of all the things. <laughs> I I like it. I mean, I, I will say during during periods of depression, there are definitely times when I think, oh, no, I don't like this. This needs to go away right now. But every time when I come out, I come out with with a different perspective and with more empathy. Uh, and, and really, I think that's sort of been the greatest gift when it comes to dealing with mental illness is it gives you such empathy about everyone else that everyone is fighting their own personal battle. And it may not be mental illness. Maybe it's, you know, family members or Maybe it's, you know, uh, work-related or maybe it's financial or... But that every single person is fighting a battle that you cannot see on the surface. And it gives you such a better perspective, I think. We've got more of our conversation with Jenny Lawson, including the part about Rory the raccoon, coming up. Plus, we've got some homework from Jolie Kerr, who is a professional clean person. I am not a professional clean person. (laughs) This is Nerdette. (laughs) Nerdette is supported by Basecamp. Introducing the new Basecamp 3, a shared space and a collection of tools that every group needs to do any kind of work together. Perfect for projects, client work, events, teams, fundraisers, classrooms, and families. Now, your first Basecamp is completely free forever. Sign up at Basecamp.com slash Nerdette. Nerdette is also supported by Goose Island Beer Company. Since 1988, Goose Island has been committed to brewing beers that are celebrated worldwide by beer critics and beer lovers alike. Creating diverse beer styles like Bourbon County brand Stout, Sophie Farmhouse Ale, and Goose IPA, 
More at gooseisland.com. We don't need to be the only beer you drink. We just want to be the best beer you drink. You're listening to Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And Greta, let's jump back into our conversation with Jenny Lawson, author of Furiously Happy. I love this book because it helps people realize that everything that's weird about them does not make them alone. It makes them a part of a weird, wonderful community. And Jenny meets these people when she does book signings. Right. When we talked with Jenny, obviously we talked to her about her depression. But she also told us about another condition that she suffers from, which has a really weird name. It's trichotillomania, but it's actually a pretty simple problem. When I first was diagnosed with it, it was terrifying because it's, I mean, that's something crazy people do, you know, Mm. pull your, like literally pull your own hair out on purpose. And, and I was afraid that when I wrote about it, that it would really scare people away because I think you can say, I have depression, I have anxiety. And even if people don't completely believe it or understand it, they hear it enough that they're like, oh, okay, you're one of those people. But when you say I pull my hair out... People whoa, tend whoa, to, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like this, this step back sort of thing. But what I think is so amazing is every single reading I have gone to, somebody has come up and usually several people have come up and have said, I have trichotillomania. I didn't even know what it was until I read your book and now I'm getting help and now I'm doing behavioral therapy. And and every single time they would whisper it, like, I have it too. And I've never mm-hmm. met anyone else who had it. And every time I say, you have, because there are two other people in this room who have just come through this line and said the exact same thing. <laughs> and it's amazing, these things that we hide and that we have such shame about. And then you realize, oh, we're all super screwed up. Like, we all have our <laughs> own weird, screwed up thing and and you and you look at other people's and you're like wow that's totally crazy and then you think of your own and you're like oh well me too so that's okay (laughs) you know like we're all we're all pretty even when it comes right down to it I imagine it's really sweet to hear from readers who come to readings and confess things to you like that who admit you know that they're struggling also Is that ever really overwhelming for you, too, though? I mean, like, does it become sort of almost this confessional thing where people are trying to unload on you and you are overwhelmed? You know, like that takes spoons, too, right? It does. The sort of good thing about the people who want to have like a full confession is they have the same issues that I have with anxiety. So most of the time they will come up and they will hand me a note and they'll say, read this later at your hotel. And so I have literally boxes of these letters that I'll keep forever Mm. that I sort of go back to of people who are like, this is my struggle. This is what I'm dealing with right now. This is the way that you helped me. And it's such a full circle thing because first of all, whenever I have my own struggles and I'm in a depression and depression is lying to me and saying, you know, you're worthless. You'll never write anything good again. You're, there's no point in you, I can go back and read those letters and be like, oh, no, I do make a difference. So when it comes to whimsy, this is my whimsy (laughs) transition, if you can't tell. I would really love to talk to you about Rory because he makes me so happy. (laughs) Right. Will you introduce us to Rory, please? Yes. So the first time that I saw Rory the raccoon, I immediately realized that this was my Patronus. Um, Rory is just this like small raccoon 
And my friend Jeremy Johnson, who made him, decided to make him just ecstatically happy. So his little hands are, are, are raised and splayed apart, and he has this enormous, giant, just completely unnatural smile and these big eyes, and he's so happy to see you, and, he, and you, you, like half of him is like, happy birthday, surprise, and the other half is like, I'm going to eat your face off, and like, you have no <laughs> idea what's going on. And it's such a fine line between I'm happy to see you and I'm happy to see you because I'm going to eat your face off. Exactly. <laughs> They're both tell. happiness. They're it's divinity. Happiness. It's exactly. perfect. <laughs> so Jeremy sent me a picture and I was like, this is, no, that he's mine. Like, give me a price. I, he, he's mine. And so Jeremy was like, I'll send him, I'll send him to you. And then he called back and he was like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so upset. The people who were supposed to be taking care of Rory, they apparently took him on a Vegas vacation because they thought it would be fun to take pictures with him. And they like took him on roller coasters and whatever. And he like, now he's like, he broke his arm and he broke his leg and all of his fingers are gone. And he's just, and he was like, I I cannot sell him to you. He is just completely broken, but I will make you another Rory and I will make him stronger and better. And it'll be great. And I was like, well, but what does his face look like? Does he still look happy? And he was like, oh, his body's a hot mess, but he's still like <laughs> incredibly happy to see you. And I was like, you know what? Send me both. Because <laughs> there's something about a ridiculously happy but broken animal that just made it even more realistic. And my dad came over for Christmas and you know, he's a taxidermist and he was like, you know, I could probably sculpt new hands and legs and fix this and you know and so yeah it kind of made it even better to be like you know and then in the end it's my family who who fixed him and that really is in so many ways accurate in my life that my family's the one that that make me laugh about the ridiculous things or who see me through it or who make me realize that it's all going to be okay, and that even if it isn't going to be okay, it's still going to be okay. Thanks to Jenny Lawson for talking with us. You can find her on Instagram and the Twitters at the Blogess. Be sure to follow her. She is full of furiously happy goodness. Still to come, homework from a neat freak. This is Nerdette. We have homework for you this week from the author Jolie Kerr, who wrote the book My Boyfriend Barfed in My Handbag <laughs> and, <laughs> and Other Things You Can't Ask Martha. It's just so fun to hear you say that title. Will you say it again, please? My Boyfriend Barfed in My Handbag. I think it's the bees. What are those? They're not plosives. Right? I don't know, but as a bobita, I like to say bees. <laughs> so I enjoy saying the name of this book. <laughs> Jolie Care also has a column and a podcast called Ask a Clean Person, and that's where she thrives on helping people solve their like really weird cleaning problems, like barf in your handbag, or what to do when like a pound of butter melts in the front seat of your car, oh, dear. or how to keep white shoes spotless. There are a great many things that she can help you with. Here she is with homework. At some point, maybe in March, when I when I have a, an active ongoing campaign every March. Uh, to get people to make their beds. 
So I want to challenge everyone who is not a regular bed maker or who is a bed making denier or who just doesn't (laughs) understand why you would make a bed. Uh, I want you to take one month and just dedicate yourself to doing your very best to making your bed every single day for one month. If you've no change after a month, you can go right back to not making that bed. But I bet that that's not going to be the case. That is beautiful homework because I think it, I think that totally makes a difference. It does. I, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. My life is better. And people don't believe it. The only way they're going to believe it is if they try it. So try it for one month. That's perfect homework. I don't know. That sounds like chores. I mean, I guess it's chores, but like it's also adulting and maybe it's really nice to have a made bed. I know. I really like it. You do. I don't know if I want to use a spoon on this, but <laughs> Jolie Care, thank you for the homework. I will try it if you will. I think you should try it. The thing is, it gives me spoons. It really does. I'm skeptical. <laughs> but, but open to the idea. But open to the idea. Yay, okay, that's all that I can ask for. Thank you, Jolie Care, for that homework. Come at her with all of your filthy problems. Seriously, the weirder, the better. You can find the link to everything Jolie Care does at nerdatpodcast.com. This show is produced by us. I'm Trisha Bobita with Greta Johnson. And of course, we couldn't do it without Joe Mixmaster Dassault. Our interns are Maya Stretch McGee Cole and Seabrin Not a Duck Mallard. Thanks also to outgoing intern Justin Paul. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer. We consider him the Godzilla of podcasts. You can listen to us wherever you're listening to us because you're already listening to us. But we would really appreciate it if you took the plunge and subscribed. You can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher. Greta, I need to stop you right there because before we go today, I need to let people know about a hero. Oh, yeah? A hero named Noodles Oprah Winfrey Stoller. Trisha, tell me more about Noodles Oprah Winfrey Stoller. Well, Greta, Noodles Oprah Winfrey Stoller did something that not all of us take the time to do because not all of us are heroes. Oh, But Noodles Oprah Winfrey Stoller gave us five stars on iTunes and made a difference in the lives of this Nerdette podcaster because all of the stars that people give us on iTunes help spread the good word about Nerdette and it really makes us feel warm and fuzzy. So to Noodles Oprah Winfrey Stoller, I salute you, I thank you, and I call you a hero because it's what you are. I was really hoping you were going to salute Noodles Oprah Winfrey Stoller. I did. Join the Noodles Oprah Winfrey Stoller Hero Squad and rate us on iTunes. We would be grateful. We will also talk with you on Twitter if you mention us at Nerdette Podcast. You can read teeny tiny book reviews that Greta does on Instagram. And, of course, we're on Facebook because it's Facebook. <laughs> Nerdette is a production of WBEZ Chicago, where you can find all sorts of nerdy goodness in a wide array of podcasts. You can find all of that at wbez.org slash podcasts. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework! Do your homework! Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.